So today we are going to go all the way from Scipio Africanus to communion. So that's kind of the, the, the scope. Yeah, Scipio Africanus. That's, it's, it's his name. <laughs> Actually, I guess Africanus is like Latin for of Africa, but uh, all right. Who is sufficient? We talk about big things here. Who God is, what am I here for? What is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? We read the very words of God, share the very body of Christ. So then, who is sufficient for these things? Now, it's actually a pretty easy answer to, a question to answer, but I will riddle you one more difficult, Batman. Are you sufficient? Are you enough? Are cat posters right? Believe in yourself. It will all work out. Pray hard enough to God and things will be okay. Do good to your neighbor. And so the Christian life. Now, even in the in the Christian walk, in the church, and we get into this kind of thing often, is there is a triumphalistic and optimistic view of the Christian life. And you can find lots of support for this in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.17, which we'll, we will get to before Christmas. Therefore, if anyone in, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you're a new creation set free from bondage to sin and death. Or are you a miserable sinner in need of constant forgiveness? First Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now, like many things in the Christian walk, and this is like kind of my job here. It's my job is to distinguish and clarify. To understand how both of these concepts are a hundred percent true and how to understand them as a hundred percent true. So first, are you sufficient? And I, and I read this verse and immediately upon reading this, I was brought back to a story I heard from someone. I assume it's true about J.I. Packer during a commencement ceremony. Uh, he, J.I. Packer, kind of a famous evangelical, went to be with the Lord three years ago. He was a professor at Regent College, wrote the book Knowing God, which was published, I think, 50 years ago, like three months ago, something like that. So it's just about 50 years since his seminal work was published. And an important guy, good thinker. I, I like him a lot. 
And so he was a professor at Regent College in Vancouver. And during a commencement ceremony, the valedictorian was, was up front and giving his speech about how well the school had prepared him. You know, how well he'd been taught, all of the, the fancy Greek and Hebrew and Scipio Africanus. I don't know if they learned about them, that's more historical. But they learned all of this stuff and from the back, in the middle of a speech, Jay Packer cried out, like almost like, you know, couldn't help himself from being a little bit rude. Who is sufficient for such things? Who? Like what human is sufficient to talk about God? What human? It's sufficient to take the body and blood of our Lord. Who is sufficient? Now, in the fullest sense, there's only one who's truly sufficient. And this is a very easy question to answer. <laughs> it's like, God is sufficient. Like, who's sufficient for these things? God is sufficient because we know Jesus Christ came and he lived the perfect life. He walked in holiness and righteousness and uprightness, even in giving the woes to the Pharisees, the seven woes. But still, in, in, what ways are, in what ways do we relate to the fact that God is sufficient? And how does God's sufficiency enable our sufficiency or competency to live the Christian life, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, in this world today. Okay, starting verse 14. This is awesome. Uh, I, I just love this, but so he begins, and, and this is the, there's a little bit of a break here, and people actually call this the great digression because there's like five chapters where Paul kind of breaks off, and he's going to pick up the thought about the travel plans with like Titus and stuff five chapters later. So just like, this is all kind of in brackets in my, in my notes of like the, of the book of second Corinthians. He breaks in, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now this triumphal procession you might be having in mind a parade but paul certainly has in mind a very specific thing because the word is is triumphs and if you know anything about roman history because as all men we think about rome all the time but roman history is that when there was a great victory, so as such, Scipio Africanus, when he defeated Hannibal in the Second Punic War, because there's like five people who really love this stuff, and it's like, yeah, give a name it. In the Second Punic War, where Rome was almost defeated, it was a really crazy, like, near-run thing, and coming back, he got awarded what they would call a triumph, from the Senate, from the Roman Senate. 
And this is a, a kind of formal, almost religious affair where the general, the general would parade through the streets of Rome. And behind him would be his lieutenants and military men. And with them would be treasures of the conquered people and also many slaves. And the slaves, they would be led along, well, people like conquered people, they would be taken either to be, either to be executed. So some of the great leaders like Hannibal the Great will be led to the center of, the, of, of Rome to really be like about the Temple of Jupiter or near the Senate House. And there, some of the prisoners would be executed and others would be sold off into slavery, which is one of the ways that they, they made money during these wars. They took people and they sold them into slavery. Now, God here, thanks be God, God in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And there's a, there's a big debate about how we are supposed to take that, how we're supposed to be being led here. Because you just read this, you might think like triumphal procession means like, I am like triumphing with Christ. Like this is a really like good picture, but it's, it's probably the more natural sense of this word that, because it's triumphing over is really, it's, it's literally what it says, is that in this picture, we are not the lieutenants with Christ but we are the conquered slaves who are walking along with Christ. And actually, uh, the New Living Version brings us out like entirely. They just sort of tipped their hand in the translation. They said, but thanks to God, he has made us his captives <laughs> and continues to lead us on in Christ's triumphal procession. So triumphing over is where they get the sense. And I think it's, good to think about it this way because if we think of Christ's work it's like he is the one who's triumphing he did all of the work like were we there at the cross helping like no we were not part of the triumph we were the enemies of God whom he conquered and now leads us along we are Romans 6 8 having been set free of sin, having become slaves of righteousness. Who is sufficient for salvation? Well, it's not us and God. It's, it's Christ who triumphs. We get brought along. We are freed from slavery to darkness and led along as slaves in Christ. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession as captives, most likely. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And this is, you know, kind of completing the picture and, and the, more well, like a through us, because we're talking about like, what do we do? Like, what are we competent for? And in this picture where, you know, what shows 
the greatness of the general who has conquered, you know, as Julius Caesar conquering the Gallic tribes. What shows, like him bringing along the captives shows the glory of his work. And then we get this whole sense of fragrance. And this comes up a couple of times. It's fragrance, aroma. And if you could picture a big, like, train, they have with them spices, treasures, precious things. And the picture is a little, like, uh, a little weird of a, of a thing. Because the thing about fragrances, and uh, it's a little better now than it used to be, but fragrance, one person's perfume is another person's watery-eyed difficulty breathing. Like, like perfume scents have, have different reactions to different people. There's people who just love to like douse themselves in very strong scents. And other people who die from that. And, and, and Paul is going to use this like idea of fragrance and the two reactions of fragrance to show you that this picture of being led along as captives leads some to celebrate and others to be revolted. Now, what we do here through us, the fragrance, is that we are called to be Christ's fragrance to the world. I think in many ways this is like salt and like. We never become like Christ, but his smell should saturate us in a way that is obvious to the world. Now, the smell of Christ is not universally loved, just as Christ was not universally loved. In the same way that the good news of Jesus Christ is good news to some, and I hope all of us, the good news, the knowledge of Christ is that like he died on the cross for your sins, that we were headed to hell so that he gave himself up to death to rescue us from the domain of darkness and transfer us to the light but this gospel is still, even though it's salvation to some, angering to others. For those who don't need to be saved, or more likely don't want to listen to God's rules. And he continues and says, for we are the aroma of Christ to God. So it said, the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and another, a fragrance from life to life. The aroma here, and this I think relates to Romans chapter 12, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Because the word aroma here is the same word in the Old Testament when it talks about every time it's like, you know, offer up this sacrifice and this sacrifice and this sacrifice and it's burnt and it's a pleasing aroma to God. And this is the same word here that, uh, that the Septuagint translates that. And, and this pleasing aroma is supposed to be our lives and yet it is not universally loved. Some people like it and others don't. Paul says we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. 
And we might add that the gospel is not sensitive enough for some people's emotional palates today. Or it's too forgiving for deplorable people. Some simply don't like the, God, don't like the idea of a God that might tell them what to do. Or so many that Christ is simply a babbling noise behind the call of kids' sports, politics, Netflix, vacations, physical exercise, and a million other distractions from the things that matter most in life. And it's, it's so weird because so many people are just longing for something. I mean, you know people are longing for something in this life when they will tell you about crystals. It's like, you're the healing power of crystals. I mean, if people are putting their hope in a chunk of rock, I mean, people are really grasping for something. You know, deep down, people are longing in this world, and Jesus is the answer. But instead, so often, they choose to get really into the grateful dead instead of being grateful to the one who rose from the dead. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. But to the called, Christ's death. And consequently, those being led captive in Christ's triumphal procession. It is the power of God, life everlasting, a reason to jump and dance for joy. Well, maybe in some other church. To emotionally think about God's joy deep in our hearts. Just like Jesus himself who was loved and despised, who was welcomed on Palm Sunday, but mocked on Good Friday. So in Christ's parade, some see Christ as attractive, but others ugly. The fact that more people will go today to the hockey arena than to this church doesn't necessarily mean we're doing something wrong. We lament the state of church and say, if only we could be a little more like Christ. But even he was not loved by all. But then again, who is sufficient to be the sweet smell of Jesus Christ? Who is sufficient? All right, we're going to have like the points of the sermon now. So if you'd like to take points. Okay, who's sufficient? God alone is sufficient. Okay, that was said. We already said that. That was like broke the headlines. And, and we're going to add two things to this. Am I sufficient? And the answer is no, except because in myself, I am nothing. In fact, in myself, I am far worse than nothing. I am an enemy of God. But the gospel is such good news that even though as we are marching as captives in God's triumph, we are marching with the victor. It's far better to be a captive on the right side than to be a king in a nation that's burning. And the promise of the gospel 
It's not just that we made some decision long ago that will result in a ticket to heaven, but that now, right now, we get God. We get God in us, God the Holy Spirit, who is sufficient. God is sufficient and dwells in us. And so our sufficiency is from God. We're not sufficient, but we can have confidence because the, the Spirit dwells in our hearts. All right, now as we kind of go in the flow of the sermon, we have to remember what Paul's talking about here because Paul is defending his ministry. And he says, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Just saying that God does dwell as there is some sufficiency even in his insufficiency. And then kind of begins to argue with some of the people who are questioning him in Corinth. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation, recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. Paul doesn't need to commend himself because who is at work among the Corinthians? God is at work. He is sufficient. And if you want to answer the question, why does it matter that God alone is sufficient? It's, it's just the point. Like as a Christian, you don't need to prove anything in yourself. You don't need to prove anything because God is sufficient. And many of you like the question, you know, it's like, are you enough to handle it? Like, can you do it? It's like, I don't need to say yes to that. I just need to say yes to God who is everything. You know, I get caught up in this so often. of having to prove myself. I, I just, so I just passed my ordination interview standing before a board of uh, eight other pastors and district superintendent. And uh, I'm going to get like personal here for a second. That uh, I, I was sitting right over there in my office and I got the call. It was, it was a couple hours after I'd taken the interview. And, uh, and I passed with like glowing remarks. It was like, it went really well. But after I got the call, like I, I was like, I was as emotional as I've been in a long time. Like I actually came like right here and I like laid down on the floor here and I cried for like five minutes. And I did it not because like, I like felt sufficient and able, like I did it because like God was sufficient and like through everything I've been through, through every failure, which is like so, so, so many in ministry that, that God has seen me through. And all you can just do is thank God in that moment. And truly, like God is sufficient. And, you know, even though I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm like reading this here and I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get ordained. It's like January 7th or something. 
Um, I, I don't really need a stamp of approval because the stamp of approval is seeing like God at work among all of you. Like seeing people in the care groups, seeing people confess sin, seeing people forgive one another, like seeing the impossible happen. Like I, I, I look at that and it's like, there's a, I, don't, I don't need a letter of, of, of commendation from the denomination because I see God at work in the hearts of the people here. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. And it's like, like God is sufficient to be at work. And like, I praise God that you could see it. Like, this is the promise of our age. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And yes, so many times it's slow. Yes, so many times it's painful. Yes, so many times things are many times that we fail. But God still has us and is growing us and is doing all things well because God is sufficient. Because the spirit among us is sufficient to do all things well. A spirit who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And Paul is probably talking to some people who are kind of legalists that are always lurking in the background of his churches. But that's the thing, is that the law is a promise like, hey, do all of these things. We're going to be the people. It's like we could like be the church and we go, we're going to be the people who really do things well. We're going to serve the poor the best. We're going to be the people who live right. But it's like, but that's, that's not the hope of the gospel because the hope of the gospel isn't sufficiency in ourselves. The hope of the gospel is that Christ is all sufficient. He is the one in triumph. We are the captives who just get to be there for the victory parade because we were captured. How awesome is that? And finally, we see our sufficiency is from God. Joel Sear. I got to stand up here. It's cool. I was like, hey, son of the church returned. It's, uh, it's great. To, uh, it, was, it was great to have him be able to share. And he reminded me something of, of Leon that she remind us, reminded us of all the time, which was, put on your armor. Have you put on your armor? You want to do a prayer meeting? She's like constantly saying this. And what armor does the Christian get? It's like, it's the armor of God. It's God's armor. And again, the where is our sufficiency? It's like, it's God's sufficiency. So back to the original question, am I sufficient? And Paul directly answers that question now. Verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything. And it's like, yeah, 
who is sufficient. Like, we are not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. And so at the same time, he can claim like, like nothing is from us here, but ultimately God working in us is able to do far more than we could ask or imagine because it is God at work in us. And so we can have confidence, not in ourselves, but in God confidence of being the aroma of Christ in a perishing world. We can have confidence to share Jesus Christ even though we are nothing but broken captives. But hey, look at the victory party we're a part of. We can have the confidence to live the Christian life knowing that Christ has done all that is required. There is a sufficiency there in us because God dwells in us. Don't fall into hopelessness when you've fallen a thousand times because the sufficiency is not rooted in us and our failures. Because even though it is not in us, from us, still, our sufficiency is from God who is in us. Who is sufficient for such things? God is. And even though we are not sufficient in ourselves, the God that is in us is sufficient so that we can walk out of here with confidence to defeat every sin that so easily ensnares to be the aroma of Christ in our workplaces and to live in God's mission, not fearfully shrinking back, but in confidence. Who is sufficient? God alone is sufficient. And yet the spirit who is sufficient dwells in us so that our sufficiency is not from ourselves, but in from God. Okay. All right, this is not like an ending of a sermon because I still have to like say like, how does this apply to you? And, and whenever you get sort of like intellectual things, I always want to be like, hey, just think about this more, okay? Believe this more in your hearts. Know that your sufficiency is from God every day. Turn your hearts towards him. But how do you tangibly do it? Because as you know, whenever you have like a truth that you need to remember, what's the problem? You forget. You forget, you forget when problems come. Immediately, you're just like overwhelmed, like, oh no, I can't do this. And you don't forget, oh yeah, that's the point. I can't do this, but God can, <laughs> but God can. And so only two things, two points of application. And these are the things that keep us going. So number one is how do we remember God's sufficiency in our insufficiency? And that is being a part of the body of Christ. It's like going through, these are the prayers. It's like, oh yeah, God, like we've screwed up again, the pastoral prayer, pastoral prayer every time, I'll do the short version. God, we've screwed up again. Thank you for your sacrifice in Jesus Christ. Set us on the right path and uh, be every, fill every need we need you, amen. Like that's, that's every prayer. And so we get reminded of that, of being at church every Sunday. That goes for the people who didn't come today. 
I know the weather's bad. Um, and number two, and this leads right into communion because like there's a reason why God ordained the symbols, the, the ordinances that he did. That baptism isn't just something that we do, but a reminder that we get baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. And we take part of his body and blood to be reminded not just of something that happened 2,000 years ago, but right now that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Which is why we take the bread, we take the cup, we drink it into us because this is the spiritual reality not just God up there, but God dwelling with us so that we can do all things according to his mighty power. Let's pray.